How many of you were not here last week? Raise your hand. You have no idea what I'm talking about, right? You can go online and you can listen to the message and understand what Jesus followers are supposed to wear. We're not talking about articles of clothing or the type of clothing, but we're actually talking about what it says here in Colossians, uh, in there in the, in the third chapter, verse number 12. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe, say clothe, clothe yourselves with, and here's the thing, we'll just summarize them there, compassion, say it with me, kindness, all right, let's start with compassion, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. Clothe yourself with these things. I don't think of it as, as clothing, right? But he's saying that is your outer garment. That's what I want to be seen. Now, we know this, right? That, uh, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. We know that out of the abundance of our, our heart, the mouth speaks. All right? Those are all the words that start to cover us. Compassion, kindness, humility. Those are things. He says, I want that to be your covering. Now, when our treasure all right, is upon godly things and upon his intentions and his plan, all of a sudden we have a far greater reach. Hold your arm out. We've all got a certain limit as far as your reach can go, okay, right? That's as far as it can go. You can only reach out. Some of us are shorter than others, all right? Yeah, we get that. But you get a go-gadget arm. Say go-gadget. How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? All right, some of you do know. Okay, go. You see, that arm just goes out, all right, and out and out and touches other people, okay? It extends beyond your regular ability to reach out when you clothe yourselves with these things. Let's talk a little bit too. He says, are you trying to make a point or a difference? We've got to ask ourselves that. If I want to make a difference, sometimes it's not going to be by arguing out of point. You've got to form a relationship with people. We said this, everybody is invited to follow Jesus. Being a sinner or a doubter does not disqualify you. All of Jesus' original followers were both. And then we talked about how faith, having a faith that overwhelms fear. You've heard a lot of people say, I'm overwhelmed, right? I feel cast down. I, I mean, the psalmist, he had to say, he talked. Someone to, how many of you talk to yourselves once in a while? I feel like I'm talking to myself sometimes right, when I'm preaching, all right? But anyway, that's all right. <laughs> you did very good with that one, by the way. Uh, you know, we talked to ourselves, and the psalmist said, Why, O oh soul, are you cast down? He had to stir himself up, right? He had to let the faith, he had to let the, 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 that which he knows within his knower arise and say, Why are you cast down? When he started to recount and recall the marvelous and awesomeness of God, your soul can't stay in that place. You've got to speak to it. During Jesus' time on earth, he invited all kinds of misbehaviors and, and unbelievers to follow him. And not to stay that way, but that he would begin to follow him. Today, we're going to address something that we're going to call the fine print. The fine print. How many know what the fine print is? If you go to have a deal, you go to you know, buy something, 
And uh, someone will always tell you, before you sign, what you should you read? The fine print, all right, before you sign. Um, I um, like deals. Anybody else like deals here? Yeah, so I try certain things. And, and the Internet has given us lots of access to different things. How many of you have access to some things on the Internet, okay, with, with deals, like deals? You found deals on the Internet. And so on Facebook, they're, they're selling things and whatever, and, and there happened to be this health product that was there. And, I, and, you know, and it had on there trial for four ninety five. And I thought my family, me and my wife, might enjoy this, you know, the, the, this health product to go ahead and to try out. So for four ninety five, so okay. But being suspicious as I am of scams, I mean, you know, the scammers out there. I got to think, I, you know, I need to, to watch this. I mean, it's just four ninety five. So I was meticulous. I went ahead and ordered this product for four ninety five. And, uh, of course, as you order that one, there's going to be another one. And, oh, by the way, this will really help you out if you're complete. And you get this other one for four ni- it's just four ninety five. So $10 to go ahead and try this. You know, free shipping and handling. And it's like, that's, that's great. So the product comes and, we'll, you know, try it out. It doesn't really do what they say it's going to do. or it doesn't make it, you know, So I'm just like, okay, that, that's fine. And thought we had our, 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 our trial. And to my surprise, on my credit card statement came a charge, not long afterwards, for $94.15. And then a second charge for $99 and some odd change. And I got thinking, what is this? And I called the number right away. And I said, what is this? Oh, well, that is this deal that you got. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, if you didn't call and cancel or if you didn't take care of this, I said, listen, I read that. I was meticulous about that. There's no way I would not have agreed to this. It was in the fine print. And so I had my discussion. I got my money back. I had to be firm. I was respectful and honorable. But read the fine print. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> We're talking about the fine print here. There's contracts and there's, there's fine print. And, you know, um, there's, how many of you else have got taken before because you didn't read the fine print? Did I ask for that already? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it happens, right? Now, don't get me wrong. There's definitely advantages to following Jesus, right? There is a benefit of being a Jesus follower, all right? The benefit to following Jesus. I'm used to already turning and looking at my screen. I can't see it back there. I have to wear my glasses in order to do that. So but anyway, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. There's benefits, especially in America. Listen, you will probably be a better person. You'll be a better husband, a better friend. You'll forgive and you'll be more generous. You will avoid some pain and some regret. You'll find yourself making decisions as a Jesus follower that will better other people around you. Jesus said it's like building your house on a rock compared to building your house upon a sand. When the, when the storms come, if you build your house upon a rock, okay, becoming a Jesus follower, your house won't wash away. But if you build it upon the sand, the sand underneath will wash away and there your house will go. Jesus gives us a heads up though. He says this, he says, listen, 
There are benefits of following me, but at some point along the way, everyone who follows Jesus is going to have to pay the price. And some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, I thought he said this salvation is free. It is. But as you continue to follow him, there's going to be a price to pay. You're like, hmm. Now Jesus is not a trickster. He's not trying to get you so far in that there's just no way that you can get out. There's ways of escape if you want to escape from goodness, from joy, from freedom, from hope. But he says there's going to be a cost. And he takes the, his followers, all right, he takes them to this particular place where he wants to take each and every one of us to help us to discover that at that point when we discover what the cost is about how valuable or how committed we really are. You see, it's at that point when you discover the cost and you're willing to pay the price that you find out, am I really a genuine follower or am I just a consumer? Am I just a consumer? Have I only shown up? Am I only participating? Am I only going through the motions so I can get it? Get mine. Here's a passage that Jesus starts out with. He takes him to Mark, and he finds here in this particular place, he says, listen, I want you to, re- I want you to understand Mark chapter 8. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked them, who do people say I am? You're like, okay, why does it matter? Who do people say I am? Because it's important that you understand who I am, okay? Who do people say that I am? And he's going to get to the core of it, and he's going to you know, finally ask them you know, some personal questions, some personal application. But we need to understand, the very first point is that there's benefits to serving Jesus or in following Jesus, but we also need to understand there, there are, uh, at some point in the journey, it's going to cost you. And so he says this, he says, Who do people say that I am? And they replied, okay, some say John the Baptist. By the way, who has been recently beheaded. The one who was, a platter was served up, or his head was served up on a silver platter. He says, they they think that you've been John the Baptist raised from the dead. Others say Elijah and still others one of the prophets. Reincarnation was popular back in that point in time. So they thought about it. And then Jesus says this. He says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter goes, I got this. He lifts up his hand. He's all excited. Jesus calls him. And Peter says this. He says, you are the Messiah. The Messiah, which in Hebrew translated means Christ. In the Greek term also means the anointed one, the one separated, the one consecrated. You are the anointed one. You are the one where the very presence of God rests. Now, it's so important for you to understand 
that we need to know who he is. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please him. We must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Don't you think that it's important to know who it is that you seek? This isn't just some teacher, not just only a rabbi, not someone who's just a healer. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Christ. He is God incarnate. His name is Jesus, and Peter says that. And, and, and here's, here's something different. Jesus warned them. He said this. He says, don't tell anyone. He says, you're right, but it's not time yet for you to tell anybody else. And they're wondering, okay. <laughs> what? You're curious about who people say you are, that you're curious about who we say you are, but we can't tell anybody even though we've just you know, made it clear. He said this, he says, and, and here's probably why he said it, because he's got to flesh this out. He's got to build this out a little bit. And he says this, he says, he, must be, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer. Here's the, the fine print. The Son of Man must suffer. And he goes on and, and he says, I, I want you to understand many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and then all of a sudden Peter took him aside and began to, look at that, rebuke him. The one who is following the master begins to rebuke the one who was the teacher, the master. And he says, hold on here, time out, Jesus, we need to have a little powwow. We need to talk about this, because Jesus, that sounds very pessimistic. You know what? You're forgetting about who you are. We know who you are. Do you know who you are? Are you having a little dilemma here, Jesus? <laughs> because if you are the Christ, we've read and we hear about you, that, that you are going to deliver us. You are going to redeem us. You are going to set us free from our captives. We're on the winning side here, the winning team, are we not? How about you go ahead and put that type of thinking away, that kind of talk. Why don't we just go pray, Jesus? Why don't we just go concentrate upon some good and happy thoughts. Think happy thoughts. But then Jesus turned to him and looked and he rebuked Peter. He does what Peter did to him and he says something that's just mind-blowing. He says, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things or the concerns, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. He says, you're not acting like a follower, but you are acting like a consumer. Because I see through really what's going on in you. And to me, it appears that you're more concerned about my doing for you than you are about me doing for you. And the really the concern, the reason you want me not to even go that place is because you're thinking about what will happen to you if I go this way. But he obviously didn't listen to everything. And, and Jesus said that. He says, you're thinking about things from a human perspective, not from a godly perspective. It is so much so that you didn't even hear what I said, that I would be raised from the dead. He said, listen, 
I have to suffer for a little while. It's going to happen. It's the fine print. But he says it's not all the fine print. Seeing the confusion that was happening now in everybody's eyes, who's sitting there and observing and listening to Jesus rebuke Peter, the one who was supposed to be one of the chosen ones, the favorite ones, he calls a little team meeting. And he says this. It says, Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, He said, Listen, let me really be clear. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. They must deny themselves. What does that mean, Jesus? Haven't we denied ourselves already? We're following you. I mean, we could be at home, could be doing other things. And he says, yeah, it's kind of like that. That's, a, that's what I'm talking about. And, and some of us, we, we deny ourselves on a regular basis, right? When we choose to do things that are good for us rather than bad for us. When I want two pieces of cheesecake versus one piece of cheesecake, right? I have denied myself. Sort of, right? When we think about denying ourselves, it's not really pleasant thoughts. Who wants to deny themselves? Well, but who wants to be his disciples? You basically have to get to the place where you're willing to tell yourself no. There in my office during the fast sat different types of specialty, prepackaged treats for other people who would come in. And I was asked on multiple occasions, why is it that you keep that stuff around you? I was trying to do some other healthy types and healthy choices, and some of the stuff sat there. And I said, I set it there to remind me that you don't own me. <laughs> You've heard me say it before. I, I, I have the ability, because God's given me the ability, to have a willpower to say no to myself. Myself wants it, but guess what? I'm not going to partake in it. Because it doesn't owe me. And, and I'm, I'm denying myself. And those are the little things. But he's talking a little bit more about what it really means to deny himself. And then he goes this way. He says, and take up their cross and follow me. Go where I lead you. But listen, you need to understand something about the cross. Even though people wear the cross today as a form of jewelry, even though they, they lift it up and, and, and it looks all clean, and, and, and it looks something that, that, that's desirable, and we use it for ornaments and you know, different things in different places. The cross is a very gruesome thing in those particular days. You're telling me I have to deny myself, I have to tell myself no, and then I've got to take up a cross. What is a cross? Listen, this is what their picture of a cross was. This is a reenactment of a film, and it's called Spartacus, but it wasn't uncommon that along the roads there would be these crosses that would be set up, and the Romans would be crucifying people one after another. And the roads would be lined with crosses. It's like, hold on here. You not only told me that you're going to suffer and die, but now you're telling me I've got to deny myself, and I need to take up my cross. The cross is gruesome. I... I I'm not sure that I'm ready for that. I'm not sure that I understood. When you said, come follow me, that you were talking about dying? i got to die? I mean, you know, you, you, you should have told me that up front. Hello? 
If you're new here today, I haven't withheld this information to trick you. But instead, Jesus, we tried to do exactly what Jesus does, and that is to, to help you to understand how great of an opportunity it is to become a follower of Christ. But you don't have to be a sold-out believer to be a follower. Hear what I said now. You don't have to be sin-free in order to be a follower. But you can be a follower without being a believer. And a believer without faith. Faith is that part where we believe, all right? And he says, if you really believe who I am, other, other people say that I am these crazy things, but if you know who I am, then get ready. Here's the fine print. I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised. But guess what? You're going to have to deny yourself, and you're going to have to go by way of the cross also. And they're thinking, hmm. That's a kicker. That's a kicker right there. He sees a stunned look on their face, and they're thinking, hold on, this, they're pondering, is this worth it? Is this a good trade? And, and he begins to talk to them and help them to understand something. He helps them to look beyond this life and help them to understand, listen, you are going to die anyway. Your great-grandparents died. Your grandparents may have died. Your own parents may have already died. Every single one of you that I'm speaking to here right now realize that one day you are going to die. So how about, rather than concentrating upon the way that you'll die, how about living life in a different way with a different purpose? How about understanding then? He says, then he called the crowd to him. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, who wants to save their life today? Yeah, we, I mean, we do. We do different things in order to save our life, right? If there's a potential place where I could go and my life could be lost, or a potential place I could go, not go and my life would be saved, I'm going to the place that saves my life, right? Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it, he says, for a man or for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit? You know what forfeit is? You get a fine. <laughs> You've been fined with or pay with their soul. He says, what good is it you need to understand, all of you are going to die. And if you had the opportunity to save your soul, which we understand, our soul is something that's going to live on. If you understand the perspective, and they, they had these, these, these teachings, and, and that was something that was kind of accepted, that their, their soul was going to be living on forever. And he says, oh, and by the way, you all know that you're going to die. So how about you live life with a different purpose? How about you live it in a different manner and way? And they're thinking, you know what? I guess that makes a little sense. Let's go back for a minute. He says, but whoever wants to save their life will lose it. If you live your life to save it, he says, guess what? You will still fail. 
If you play it safe, if you try to play it cautiously, if you try to do whatever you can to do, you can do whatever you want to do, try to find whatever drink you can drink, pills you could take, food you can eat, and eventually, it doesn't matter what you do, you will die. So, he said, but you know what? If you could figure out how you could save your soul, wouldn't that be important to know? Who wants to forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If I could tell you what you could do so that your soul could live on forever, isn't that really what you want to know? What is your soul? That's, a, that's the place of your emotions. It's the place of your intellect. That's that place that, that we understand becomes rege- regenerated. He says it can live forever. And those of us that have been in the following for some time now know that it is a place, our, our glorified bodies, our bodies going to be glorified and it will be and inhabit our soul once again. Our soul will, will come there and, and we'll be able to be recognizable, but we will be untainted. Think about that for a moment. What could you give in exchange? If you had anything to give, that would cause for what was going to pass away to gain something that would never pass away, what would you give? Would Would you hold anything back? No, you would give everything. If it's all going to pass away, if all of your possessions are going to rust, if they're going to burn, if they're going to be destroyed, and you understand that you live for those possessions, you live for those relationships, you live for that position, you live for that particular social status or economic status, you live for the stock market, whatever it is that you live for, it's all going to die, it's all going to go away. But if I can share with you what you can exchange to have life forevermore, that your soul will live, wouldn't you be willing to trade it all? He said, you know what? That doesn't sound too bad. Jesus is an awesome teacher. He helps everybody understand. Listen, this is going to happen to you anyway. And we, we scratch our heads sometimes. We have such a hard time getting it through our thick skulls that guess what? If it's going to happen, I might as well live it the best way that I can. I might as well get as much. I'm going to be here for a limited time. How about I not follow in Peter's example and I don't think of things from a, from a worldly point of view, but I start to think of things from the heavenly perspective. He says, so if... I would be willing, or if he's telling us, if I would be willing to trade or ransom my soul, then I could, what? Live forever. But he says it's no good. It's no good to gain the world, all right? It's no good to gain the world and to lose my soul. When he says this, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. I don't want God to be ashamed of me. I believe in His existence. I believe He created me. I believe He has a plan for my life. And you know what? I can deny myself a little bit now. Even though that's what I feel more than anything else. This reality that's all around me, this way in which I live my life, I'm all wrapped up in it, just like Peter. And it's hard for me at times to tell myself no. 
It's hard to deny myself. But I'm understanding what Jesus is saying. I'm kind of getting excited about this. Is anybody else understanding that you can get excited about taking up your cross and following Him? That will bring you fulfillment and joy. It will cause for your life to mean something. It will give you a lasting legacy. It isn't only what's going to be written upon your tombstone, but it's about the legacy that you leave, that there for hundreds upon hundreds and thousands upon thousands of years, that people will come up to you in heaven and thank you because you denied yourself. You picked up your cross. You followed after Him. And someone said, that looks like a great way to live. And you know what? I began to live my life that way. And guess what? I am here because of that. I heard what you were saying. I saw the way that you were living. I saw the clothes that you put on. And I decided to go your way rather than the way of the world. (laughs) There's a day of reckoning. And we wonder if he's coming back. And many of you have heard it over and over again. He told them he would be arrested. He told them that he would be beaten. He told them he'd be killed. He also told them of the resurrection. But they were just focusing upon this part, the cost, right? They're focusing upon the cost. At one or some point in the journey, following Jesus will cost you. That's where a lot of people get stuck. It is the fine print. Jesus didn't withhold it. He just wanted to give it out so it could be digestible. Now the good news is this. The good news is you may not have to die for your faith, but you will be called upon to die to some things for your faith. I said you may not have to die. There's people who are dying for their faith. You may not have to die. There will be some day or season when following Jesus will cost you something. Here in America... We don't deal a whole lot with that. I need the audio up for this next uh, slide that I'm going to show. Make sure that's up for me if you would, please. There's a clip of a favorite film of mine called End of the Spear. And the cost that this man is willing to pay so that other people will come to know Jesus Christ is pretty inspiring. Let's watch. I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we go. Wanna go, Mama? Go, Mama? Go, Roxy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Be good. Hmm? Is the world only a chat? Will you defend yourself? Will you use your guns? Son, we can't shoot the Wadani. They're not ready for heaven. We are. He would make flights as often as he could. Try to find one of their small villages.
that scene is where Nate Saint, the pilot and missionary friend of Bill Elliott, who many of you have read about, had made contact with just a plot of ground that would be the initial point of contact with the people. And he had just told his son that he was willing to lose his life because he was ready to meet Jesus so that people who's not ready to meet Jesus could be able to live. You may not have to die for your faith, but you will be called upon to die to some things for your faith. I'm not sure what that is. It's not even my job to come up with the laundry list of those things that you have to get out of your life. I am fully confident in the Holy Spirit's ability to take the scriptures that you should be reading on a regular basis and help you to understand what things are beneficial to help for you to have a mindset that thinks about things from an eternal perspective. I am confident that while church attendance is painless, that as difficult as it is for some people, it's a small, it's a small price to pay in order to do what God has told us to do, to not forsake assembling together as some are in the habit of doing, but do it all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. It's just a little thing. But it is a thing. Someone told me today, Pastor, I surely, last week, didn't want to come back to growth track because I was anticipating the hour of sleep that I was going to lose almost an hour a week before the event actually took place. <laughs> but when I got here, it all went away. I, I believe it's the way that it's going to be in heaven. The enemy wants us to concentrate and focus upon all of the loss, everything that we're sacrificing, everything that we can't have. He just makes it look big. He looks, it makes it look magnified. And, and what God's saying, listen, if you keep on trying to live for those things, for those possessions, if you keep on trying to, to get, 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 you forget that it's going to go, 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 go. It's going to pass away. But how about the part of you that will live forever? How about the part of you that's going to go on? How about the part of you that's going to be the new outward tabernacle? I mean, that's going to be inside the, the new glorified body that you have. The part that's going to live forever. How about you be concerned about that? Because if you deny yourself and you take up your cross, if you, if you deny that thing, whatever that thing is, if it's your position, get, get this. This father just said to his son, I'm willing to die, realizing that it's a very real possibility because other people who tried to do what he has done died. And for some crazy reason, he thinks that him and his party is going to be able to do something different, have a different impact. Guess what? They died. They died, but the story didn't end there. But because he was willing to lay down his life, and because the pain was so deep within the family members who were still there, it was seemingly impossible that, 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 that these people would still continue in their journey to help these people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. But the wives and the kids and the family members there all still stayed the course. They put their hand to the plow. They considered the cost. They thought about it. And they said, this is what my loved one died for. This is what I'm willing to die for 
And they went into those areas. And what was seemingly incomprehensible to a, to a, a native tribe there living in the Amazon, th- those people says, but, but we killed your loved ones. How could you forgive us? And it melted the very hearts of those people. And they're just like, because you died to yourselves, we will choose to live for what motivates you. And they made an impact. And the very killers became life givers themselves. It is so imperative that we understand that the obedience to get somebody to obey just because we make them obey is not really obedience at all. We want it to be a matter of the heart. You have to say no to yourself from time to time. But you need to understand that God doesn't have you do anything without significance. Sometimes things will feel like death to you. It, it, it'll feel like you can't go on. It'll feel like you can't exist, like you can't keep functioning. The denials. When it comes to missions convention time and, and, and people sacrificially give above their tithes and offerings other offerings that they give on a regular basis. And, and, and we stare, say to you, listen, by participating in this, we're helping this gospel message get to the unreached people groups in the world today. It costs you something. A minor inconvenience compared to being able to go into the grave and to have a padded bank account. I believe that when you consider your life as lost, as the Apostle Paul did, it will be a defining moment in your walk with Christ. You will not only know who He is, but you will know whose you are. You will know who owns you. Your faith will grow. You may be rejected by men, but guess what? You're free all the same. You find yourself walking a lonely path. You find yourself going against the flow. But you find yourself going with joy in your heart. A hop in your step. You find yourself lit up with the joy of the Lord. And a determination that says, This life is not what I live for. But it's a life hereafter. Amen? It allows for you to take risks. It allows you to go places. It allows you to love that unlovable person. It allows you to forgive the unforgivable. It allows for you to give do-overs. It allows for you to issue mercy. It allows for you to be the person whom Jesus was when He walked upon the face of the earth. It's amazing how God provides for us. We can't always see it in the moment. All we can see is everything that's going wrong. But guess what? When we act like Him, when we, when we become a follower of Him, and we deny ourselves and we follow Him, He has this way of pulling it all together. And I close with this story. It was the late 1800s, and a member of British uh, Parliament went to Scotland to make a speech. He got off the train in Edinburgh and, and he took a carriage south toward his destination. And unfortunately, the carriage became stuck in the deep mud. A local farm boy came along the, the, the path there and he came to the rescue with his team of workhorses. And in his gratitude, this, this politician offered a reward, but the boy refused, saying he wanted nothing. The politician said, well, I can't have that. Is there anything I can do for you? And, he said, and, and the, guy said, the boy said, no, but he says, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he says, I want to become a doctor. A doctor? 
He says, okay, and, and, he, says, and, 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 and he, he made arrangements. He kept contact with this boy, and he made arrangements for this young boy to be able to go to a university where he would get a degree and become a doctor. Well, during World War, World War II, more than 50 years later, Winston Churchill was laying in a hospital bed, dangerously ill in Morocco, suffering from pneumonia, and a new wonder drug was administered to him. It was called penicillin, and it had been discovered by Sir Alexander Fleming, the Scottish farm boy of so long before. And the politician who had sponsored him to go to the university was the grandfather of, Sir, of, of Rand, was Randolph, I'm sorry, Randolph Churchill, the father of Winston Churchill. The very investment that, that, that Winston Churchill's father had made had been the life-giving action that would allow for his son to be able to live because he made an investment in somebody else. That day wasn't going too well for him. He was stuck in the mud. Lots of us are stuck in the mud today. We find ourselves overwhelmed with all kinds of struggles and challenges. You remember Joseph? Joseph in the Bible. Sold into slavery by his brothers. Became a slave, was elevated to a high position in the land. Was thrown into jail for false accusations. While in jail, he got forgotten did some great things, got forgotten, was once again elevated again, came into a position where the second, he was the, the second to, just to Pharaoh himself, in the land, the ruler in the land, only to have his brothers show up in his presence, not recognizing and knowing who he is, come before him and need food. And he happens, he just so happens to be at the right place at the right time to be able to give to his family the food that they need so they don't starve. His family, his brothers who sold him into slavery finally realize who he is and they fear for their lives. And rather than getting his revenge upon them, he says this, and he says this, you, right here, verse number uh, 5020, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God is at work in ways that you cannot see. He's waiting for people who will deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. It's real easy to state that verse when everything is peachy king. But when things aren't going the way in which you want, are you able to be like a Joseph who's able to declare and keep on saying, My God is faithful? He's allowed for these things to take place and happen in my life so that what is happening today, the providence of food for you, the providence of life for you could take place. What you intended to do for bad, God has intended to use for your good. Wouldn't it be awesome? Isn't it going to be awesome for you to get to heaven and be able to recount along with him the numerous amount of times that you said no to the flesh? No to the flesh. No to the flesh. No to the flesh. I'm taking up my cross and I'm following him. And because of it, there was this domino effect of people coming to know Jesus Christ. 
Come, if you would, praise team, please. Salvation is free. It costs you nothing. But following Christ will cost you something. If you're not ready to make a decision for Jesus Christ right now, I have no intention to strong arm you. I have laid out before you all of the great reasons why I believe that living and following God and becoming a genuine believer in Him is of absolute necessity and essential for you to live a life that's far beyond this one. But if you're not there yet, I invite you to keep following. I invite you to keep coming. I don't have any stones in my hands for the sins that's happening in your life. Jesus didn't carry them. I'm not going to carry them. I invite you to keep coming. And, 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 and you know, might say, but I feel guilty. I feel bad when I come in and, and I don't want to be hypocritical. I sense that I should love God. I even love God, but I'm not able to, to, to get free from, from the sin. I find myself making the same mistakes and I'm so frustrated. Well, guess what? That's common to all of us. But here is the deal. Jesus says, if you keep following me, if you keep taking a look at those things, he's going to show you those things that need to be cut out. And he's going to give you the power over sin for one of the reasons that he died, so that you can be able to live in victory. And whatever sins you ever committed, guess what? He's paid for them. He's paid for them. It don't mean you just go do whatever you want. I mean, that, that, that's disrespectful. Someone gives you a gift and you just turn your nose up at them. But guess what? He's working in you. He's doing things that you can't see. The events in your life right now that you think are really, really bad and nothing good could ever come from them, God's working for your good. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We ask you, God, to do what we, or what I cannot do. I ask you, Lord, to help every individual that's here today to realize that by becoming a follower of you, you, it doesn't automatically put me in the, the faith realm where I need to be, but puts me in a better position to where I can hear your stories. I can hear and sense your presence. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will just begin to just permeate the hard, thick-headedness that we have. Go past our minds and into our hearts and help us. Those who aren't in a relationship with you yet and those that are in a relationship with you, Lord. And we will live a life worthy of our calling. Move, I pray in Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You may be here today and, and you know I'm speaking to you. The Spirit of God is speaking to you through me. And you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You've heard enough. You've been following. You've been sitting and listening. A little bit of that, 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 that faith is beginning to overwhelm your fear. You're just like, you know what? I think I can take this step. I won't be perfect at it, but guess what? If you're telling me that I don't have to be perfect, but I can come after him and he'll change me and make me what I need to be, 
sign me up. If you're not there yet, you haven't made that commitment, but you want to make a commitment for Jesus Christ, lift up your hand right now and start a new life today. Come on, where are you at? I need to get right with God. Anybody in this place today say, I need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, the master of my life. Where, where are you at here today? Yes, I see that. God bless you. I see that one young person. I see that one. You know, Jesus left the many to go for the one. Who else is here today? Who else is here today? Say, you know what? I will join. I will be with that individual because that's me. How about this? There's some of you here today that know that, that God's dealing with you because rather than saying no to the flesh, you've been saying yes far too often. And for that, you're ashamed. Come on, would you lift your hand and say, I'm tired of that. It's got to stop. That's got to be put down. I need the power of the Spirit of God in my life. Come on, lift up your hand. Say, I I want Him to do something in me. It doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect, but one thing is for sure, I am setting, uh, drawing a line in the sand right now. Hold your hand up in the air. Be bold about it. Thank you, Lord, for doing that right now. Thank you, Lord, for changing hearts. Thank you for giving the strength, giving the ability to, to to, to get past those things. You can put your hands down now. number of you, raise your hands. How many of you here today have been longtime servants of God? And you know what? You've just lost the enthusiasm. You've lost a little bit of the fire. And, and, and you've lost a little bit of the drive and, and the reason for being. But it's renewed within you today. And you're saying, you know what? I am excited about losing my life so that I can gain that which not everybody has, has anymore. I mean, I want eternal life. Come on, where are you at? How many of you say, I need a, I need a burst of energy. I need, a, I need a fresh fuel in my fire right now. Fuel me up, Jesus. Let my fire burn brighter than what it's burned before. Let me be excited about losing my life. Let me not look at the things I have to deny, but instead the things that I gain. Mm-hmm. You can put your hands down. Everybody in this place, stand to your feet. Our praise team is going to lead us in a song.